Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on what time you are listening to this. I'm just glad you are. Thank you very much for joining me on episode 38 of the Cannabis 101 podcast. My name is Dean Millard, and remember, it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy with this amazing plant that is legalized recreationally uh, and, and medicinally in Canada. So we are all thankful for that. On the show today, I'm really excited to introduce you to Tanner Stewart. If you don't know him already, the CEO and founder of Stewart Farms out in uh, New Brunswick. Uh, what do fish and cannabis have in common when it comes to growing at Stewart Farms? It's a really uh, interesting concept. And the amount of strains that they have at their disposal uh, is pretty amazing. They're an LP in waiting. They're very close uh, to be able to getting the go-ahead to uh, start everything up. Uh, and they've got an interesting story. So looking forward to introducing you to Tanner. Chris Ionson of Nova Cannabis on Jasper Avenue in Edmonton will join me as usual for What's That Strain? Uh, we are doing La Strada from Edison. Uh, it's a really, really, really cool uh, flower. Bit of a creeper, uh, but it's nice. Uh, and it's also named after an Academy Award winning movie, as all Edison strains are. So uh, that'll be fun uh, to bring you uh, the information we gather and explore in What's That Strain. Of course, I want to tell you about the Cannabis and Hemp Expo, April 25th and 26th in Edmonton at the Expo Center. You can get your tickets at www.cannabishempexpo.com or you can keep it locked on here, the Cannabis 101 podcast, to win your tickets. Uh, we're going to be giving a bunch of them away leading up to that and we'll be there live on location. Uh, we'll have a booth that we'll be doing podcasts, maybe some streaming, all sorts of fun. Uh, you can come down and be a part of an episode if you'd like. So check it out. Uh, it's a really, really fun event. It's really where it was my jumping off point to get into uh, this podcast was at that event. So there's not there's a lot of really knowledgeable people and some some cool things that you can pick up. I, I picked up a Wolf Grinder at that event last year. So that's the Cannabis and Hemp Expo, April 25th and 26th at the Edmonton Expo Center. As mentioned, tickets can be had at CannabisHempExpo.com and we will be giving some away on this show. All right, without further ado, let's find out what's your groove. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Weed is awesome. This is great. This is the bee's knees. All right, when I say groove, I want to know if you're grooving anything cannabis-wise while listening to this show. Maybe it's a nice THC uh, pre-roll. Maybe it's uh, some CBD flower that you're vaping. Maybe you have edibles, capsules. I don't know. If you're going with anything cannabis, let me know what it is. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at the Cannabis 101. I'm going with Blue Dream. 
I really, really like it. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite strains, and it is one of my go-tos uh, when I need a little bit of a pick-me-up. So without further ado, let me get my groove on. Nice, nice hybrid blue dream. That's my groove. I want to know what your groove is. And make sure if you're heading over to lobogene.com to use the promo code cannabis101, all one word, cannabis101, to get your DNA kit. And when you use that promo code, you get 50% off. Check it out, lobogene.com. Get a uh, DNA kit, 50% off when you use the promo code cannabis101. podcast your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond big thanks to the artist my dead dog for the weed song that leads us into our cannabis question what is your go-to strain for putting you in a good mood? As I just mentioned, mine is Blue Dream, and uh, that's what I'm going with today. But what I want to know what your go-to strain is when you need a good mood, when you need a pick-me-up, uh, something like that. When you just want to be in a better mood, what strain do you reach for? For me, it's Blue Dream, and just for chiming in on this you can win a cannabis 101 podcast prize pack including this week a gift card from a retail outlet i have a bunch of them uh, so i'll just draw one out of the hat and that's the one that you will be a uh, winner of if you chime in on this question you can do it on twitter at the cannabis 101 on facebook at the canna 101 podcast instagram the cannabis 101 podcast or you can play along anonymously and email me, Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, what is it that puts you in a good mood? What strain is your go-to? As for what goes well with cannabis, that's anything that pairs well with cannabis. Uh, for me, it's uh, you know binge-watching, particularly the show Silicon Valley. I have two episodes left in the entire series. Um, that show is really, really funny. I like the characters. The, uh, the insults are just insanely personal on that show, sometimes borderline over the line, but you got to remember it's a TV show. And if you're offended, you just don't watch, but I just love it. Uh, I love, uh, you know, uh, rolling up a joint and just uh, binge watching for hours and enjoying uh, that show. So binge watching in general, but particularly the show, silicon valley so i want to know what you pair well with cannabis what tv shows do you love watching 
or anything in general do you love doing while using cannabis? In just a few seconds, we will chat with the CEO and founder of Stewart Farms, Tanner Stewart. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Please welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, the CEO and founder of Stewart Farms, Tanner Stewart. Tanner, thanks very much for being part of the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Not a problem. Um, I like to start all my interviews out with uh, a question about life before cannabis, uh, because I like to say, uh, unless you're uh, an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old right out of school and this is your first job, we pretty much all did something before cannabis legalization. So what was life like for you pre-cannabis and Stewart Farms? Yeah, so so I've been an entrepreneur for 13 years uh, now. And uh, originally, my first company, and I still own a construction company uh, out in Alberta. So, so I got into pipe fitting uh, as a trade. Uh, so, I was, so I was a, a tradesman. And I started a construction company when I was 21. Uh, I built that up to $20 million in revenue and 110 trades people working for me uh, in a six-year period. Um, and then about five years ago or so, five or six years ago, I became an agriculture technology investor uh, from the uh, revenues and the money that I made in the uh, construction industry. So I got into uh, indoor vertical aquaponics farming, primarily focused on food. Uh, so farming organic tilapia mm-hmm. and leafy greens. So spinach, kale, arugula, Swiss chard. Um, and I took those leafy greens uh, to market in Western Canada uh, in uh, in in Alberta. So that was kind of my my two uh, business uh, my two previous uh, uh, business careers uh, leading to this this cannabis focused career. So um, and 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 it you know there's a, a little bit of knowledge from from both of those things that can go into currently uh, what you're doing, and I'm sure. So how did Stewart Farms uh, come to be then? How did you make the switch into cannabis? Yeah, well, you're exactly right. I I, I basically you know I call Stewart Farms the the uh, kind of epitome of of all of my life experience. To date, so my construction background, uh, my my vertical farming in the leafy green world, uh, as well, and and you know I in in the late 2017, while I was you know knee deep into the uh, uh, leafy green technology company and and uh, you know smoking a joint on the back porch of my uh, my home in New Brunswick, I, I kind of realized that I've had an 18 year relationship with cannabis and that I'd been eating lettuce for five years uh, <laughs> and that I really felt <laughs> that my, my uh, knowledge base or, or my passion at least uh, would be better suited uh, contributing uh, sustainable agriculture technology uh, into, into the cannabis uh, industry. And, and, you know, and I really saw, uh, I mean, cannabis is the highest value crop in the world, period. Uh, and it will remain so for quite a long time. I mean, when you look at the spread, of, of, you know, everybody's talking about the overnight commoditization of, of, uh, of cannabis. Um, 
you know, which, which if it was a completely global free market, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe yeah. that would make sense. Uh, if, if cannabis was a singular thing like wheat, you know, not that it's a singular thing. I mean, there's multiple things, but, but wheat in general has a single direction that right. it goes right. Um, you know, into the food system. Uh, well, cannabis is not that either. So, so really, you know, obviously part of the reasoning was there's so many different verticals that I could take this agriculture crop, um, you know, that, that I was more familiar with. So that was really a big driver for me in moving over into the cannabis space. Was it something that, um, you know, you found an easy transition or, you know, what was the process like of, of, you know, basically, you know, kind of pivoting and, and shifting into this, uh, new space? Oh, uh, well, business is never easy. That's right. for sure. Uh, but you know, I love it so much that, uh, you know, it was, it, it was, I guess, an easy decision to move into it, mm-hmm. but you know, has it been easy, uh, for the, for the last two years moving into the cannabis space? Well, the first thing I realized in early 2018, when I made that decision, it was pretty much January 1st, 2018, where I was like, okay, I'm going full <laughs> cannabis. Yeah. I would, then I was like, what's a terpene? Because, <laughs> right. like, you know, like that was, that was like number one. I'm like, what, what's a terpene? Oh, what's a cannabinoid, right? You know, right. like uh, it was, it was, uh, uh, you know, up to that point in my life, you know, I knew about 40 different ways to smoke weed and hash, right? <laughs> right you know, because right. that was a, that's, a, that's an East Coast pastime. Uh, you know, and I know what, you know, I knew hash, right. I knew, I knew lots of categories of hash, but, but the only quality driven thing I knew about cannabis was the more crystally it was, the better it was. Right. So, so, I mean, that was the first thing I, first thing I realized is how little I knew, uh, about it. Um, but one of the things that fuels me so much is that exact fact, right. You know, I've always, something that's always driven me in business is, is getting into bed and, and knowing more than I knew when I woke up, when I go to bed that night, <laughs> this is that. Mm-hmm. If you never want to be bored, I'm not sure. Uh, I can't see the end of the tunnel when, when, uh, when there won't be something new and exciting to kind of look at or, or discover or, or innovate with uh, in the cannabis space. And, uh, and, you know, we're just, we're, we're just, we're just getting started. So, so yeah, that was, that was one of the biggest things It was, you know, uh, learn, realizing how, how little I knew. Uh, so then I spent the next year and a half delving completely into medical cannabis only. Uh, so when I, when I first started Stewart farms, uh, you know, the, the concept was go pure medical right Mm -hmm. out the gate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm really glad that that was the concept for the first year and a half. I went right to Tel Aviv, you know, I, I went to medical cannabis conferences, uh, you know, that, well, that was the first one I went to over there. It was a co- conference called Canex. And I, I met, you know, uh, I briefly met at least got, got a selfie with him and, and listened to him talk, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Dr. Raphael Mashulam and, and had a real baptism into the medical, medical side of things. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, and that, that's, that's really where we were so focused, you know, now Stuart, but then a year and a half in, I'm realizing, oh my God, I'm scaling up my company. I've got four phases of scale up, you know, it's going to take us three years to get to, you know, above 10,000 kilograms a year mm-hmm. or so, which is significant. Uh, but, but when you're, when you're looking at the medical space, well, we need more time, right? So now, now we're focused on an immediate entry into the recreational market. 
right? And that that shift, like I said, happened about you know six or eight months ago. Um, so so it's really been this journey of of you know learning where your focus needs to be and and when and uh, you know one of the biggest difficulties in general in this industry and that's like across the board is focus and patience, right? You know if I was if I was to if I had to choose one thing, what do you think the cannabis industry's biggest struggle is? Well, definitely the, the, it's, it's kind of financially driven, um, you know, and, and, the, and the pump and dump mentality, you know, which, which removes all patients, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the need to go public and create, create huge valuations. Um, you know, in Canada here, we don't even have good flour figured out yet in the legal market. We don't have good pre-rolls figured out yet in the legal market. And people are, are, are trying to move on to cannabis 2.0. Right. You know, we're trying to move on to edibles. We're trying to move on to this. Uh, so patience is one of the biggest one of the biggest challenges in our industry. And then, of course, there's a regulatory. Right. You know, yeah. as the icing on the cake. It's it's the Health Canada regulatory journey. We are about 30 days or less to have our uh, from having our license. I've got my phase one facility sitting there ready to grow plants. Mm-hmm. The lights are off. <laughs> our starting materials are off site, ready to move in there. And we've got a 500 genetic library. So this is all stuff we were able to do leading up to licensing. But it has been a two and a quarter year journey hmm. to get our license. Right. So, so those, those are challenges. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's uh, you, you have to be in this for the long game. Uh, there's no mm-hmm. uh, get rich quick. Uh, maybe there was at the beginning for a very small amount of people, but uh, you have to yeah. have a passion for it and you have to be, like you said, patient in the long game. Listen, you know, I, I do a podcast. I make a living off advertising in an industry where mm-hmm. a lot of people can't advertise, but I know that eventually it will change. It's a long game and, and we can we can be successful if we're patient. And I love what you said about uh, learning because I'm the exact same way. You know, my cannabis education before this was here's $50. I'll take whatever bag you hand me and I'll go home and, and I'm going to get high. Like that was the, and, 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 and you know yeah. what, when you said, what's a terpene, that's exactly what I tell people. I had no idea what a terpene is before. And now yeah. I can't get enough of karyophylline and myrcene. And, and, you know, like I just, <laughs> you, you, you said it, the, the knowledge is almost endless, right? Like we do the best part about legalization is not the fact that I can buy a joint to come home and smoke it without somebody calling the cops. That's fun. But the best part is the research we're doing into this plant right now. And the knowledge we are all going to gain. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I often, I often tell people that this is the break or this is, this is, this is the, uh, you know, the, the catalyst that's breaking down the barriers between, you know, herbal medicine, you know, yes. uh, and, and, and pharmaceutical medicine. It's, it's giving people, cause it's so effective, right? Cause there's finally enough horsepower in a legal herb that can be used to, in place of an opioid, right. Or in place of, uh, you know, a, a antidepressant or whatnot. So it's, it's, it's like putting power into the individual's hands, uh, outside of the, you know, industrialized medical system where they can, they can have control over their own, you know, over their own treatment. And, and what else has, there's nothing else that has ever given us that. So it's like turning us all into, 
you know, any, anybody who's obsessed with cannabis anyways, mm-hmm. you know, we're like part-time biologists, you know, we're part-time, <laughs> yeah. we're part-time chemists now, you know, yeah, want to be chemists, right. You know, I've, I've, I've listened to more medical, uh, uh, pride, you know, audio books and, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, I bought, I bought a book on the human anatomy, you know, it's like I'm in medical, medical school part right, time, right? right? It's yeah. amazing. Well, yeah, the knowledge, <laughs> uh, there, there's just so much out there and the learning curve when you, when you want to get into it, uh, is a steep one, but a fun one. I, I found, uh, the, the knowledge I'm learning, you know, I, I was in broadcasting for a long time and, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that world changed by automation and lessening of people. So there wasn't a lot of relearning in, in that industry. This is something that I, I just can't get enough of. And, and I love, um, kind of what you guys are, I guess, I, would you call yourself a licensed producer in waiting right now? You're, you're, you know, you're ready to grow. You're just waiting for the go ahead. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, we, uh, uh, you know, we should, uh, if all goes well, we should have uh, Stewart Farms flour uh, on the market here no later than no later than end of summer, awesome. end of summer into fall uh, this year. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've got uh, one of one of the one of the coolest things we we're able to do was was uh, you know put together our uh, genetic library uh, through a few ACMPR growers and. Uh, you know, phase one of Canadian legal cannabis, they all had to pull from the same genetic pool, right? Right. So there was, uh, you know, there was basically dozens of genetics that they pulled from, and most of those were from Europe, you know, companies like Bedrocan, as an example. So, so you know, phase one of Canadian LPs, they ended up with all the same genetics, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like uh, you know, Dynafem, you know, like everybody's got that. And, and uh, you know, uh, uh, whereas, whereas the next wave, uh, Health Canada put in an amnesty program where we're allowed a one-time declaration, and and it was literally made so that new LPs like us could bring new genetics right. into the market, and and that's what what we're about to do. So so we've got we've got uh, you know basically a, a library of of, uh, of great strains that aren't even on the market right now. So we so we get to. You know, and, I, and I'm looking at the market, and my and my my uh, my goalpost is California, right? Humboldt County, Emerald Triangle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that is the that is for for us, anyways. That's the standard in quality flowers, quality pre roll, yeah. quality cannabis cigars, uh, and that's what we want to bring to Canada. So. Are these strains that people, um, you know, may have heard of or will, will be brand new to people? Oh, we got, we, we've got a lot of strains, uh, that, you know, from old school to new school, right. Uh, I guess, I guess you could say, uh, you know, or, or pre cookies, <laughs> you know, people say <laughs> yeah, pre-cookie yeah, strains, yeah. right. You know, uh, so we've got, you know, we've got, we've got, uh, you know, a series of, you know, the, the kind of trend of the day down, down the States right now is a lot of this, uh, like Mac miracle angel cake, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these miracle angel cake strains, but you know, we've got, we've got strawberry strains, we've got orange aid, you know, mimosa, uh, uh we've got a lot of cushions, right. Mm-hmm. We've got Royal, we got Royal Kush, you know, everybody's heard of Royal Kush, mm-hmm. but that's, but it's not a, it's not a very available strain, uh, in Canada, uh, hazes, yes. hazes, uh, we have a rainbow of crossbred Haze genetics uh, that we're really excited to dive into. Uh, at one point, uh, you know, skunk number one, right? We got old school skunk, right? 
uh, Gorilla Glue, that's already on the Canadian market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, so we've got a good diverse, uh, a good diverse library to pull pull from. Uh, we got a Cherry West that we're really, really excited about. It's Cherry Crossbreed. Uh, again, that's out of, that's out of, uh, you know, from one of the breeders down in, uh, down in the Emerald Triangle. So, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, we're, 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 we're just really excited to, the problem with our library is we want to pop everything we have yeah, <laughs> so, exactly, and see, and see, and see what you have in there. But, but our initial go-to-market strains, um, you know, they're going to be 20 to 25% THC or up, right? Not because I think THC levels makes great cannabis, uh, but, you know, that is really what the market is demanding right now because the Canadian market's so young uh, and, and, and the learning curve is, is steep. Um, so initially, you know, to bring in that client base, we just want to make sure that we've got an extremely terp-heavy strain uh, and and you know we're 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 using uh, you know we're using the best uh, strains in the current legal market as our baseline. Uh, we want to go a couple levels above that, and then also have that high THC level. So our first two to four strains will be fairly high THC strains. That is that is one of the most important metrics. But then after we build a client base, right? Uh, then we're going to start really leaning over into the turf profiles, right? You know, then we can drop, then we can drop down the, uh, the THC level, mm-hmm. but it's about getting those initial customers, uh, you know, in the door. So, well, you, you make a good point. Uh, you know, eventually, um, the cannabis market will, will shift from, uh, sativa indica hybrid, um, and into more terpene, uh, choosing, right? People will, once they learn more about terpenes, will start buying their cannabis because based on this terpene profile that they like, it makes them feel good or et cetera, et cetera. And you're right. Um, right now people are so new to this and, and I like how you say that the, the industry and the, the customer is so, so young to this industry that mm-hmm. they just care about THC when there's nobody in the world really that would go in and buy a bottle of wine based on alcohol percentage. So we, we will, <laughs> yeah. we will get past yeah. that. We will get past that THC, but it is important to give the customer what they want right now. So, um, you know, I, I, I applaud that, uh, uh, strategy. Um, I want to talk about kind of Stuart Farms, and uh, you know, I, I met uh, uh, Jameson Wellborn, uh, a part of your staff, at, a, at an event. And um, you know, when I was talking or listening to him or hearing people talk, uh, they they discussed uh, Stuart Farms and fish. And so uh, <laughs> maybe a lot of people don't really know how you know fish can, um, I guess, in conjunction with cannabis. Uh, produce great product and also um, help the environment a little bit. So can we dive into that a little? Yeah. So, so one of the, one of the big things that really sets Stuart farms apart now and, and will really significantly set us apart in the long term is, you know, we're really an agriculture technology company that, you know, with a mission and our, our mission is to uh, eliminate waste streams in agriculture and our strategy to eliminate waste streams in traditionally wasteful agriculture practices uh, is to turn those waste streams into revenue streams. Now, in order to turn a waste stream into a revenue stream, you need somewhere for your waste to go. Uh, so we're we're what you call we're, we're what you would call aquaponics farmers, and what that is 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 actually the marriage of land-based aquaculture and what's traditionally looked at as hydroponic farming. So we're literally 
uh, building out a you know full scale commercial land based fish farm, and mm-hmm. we're going to be producing organic tilapia, and those tilapia are are, uh, are targeted for the Boston and New York markets because where our farm is located uh, in southern New Brunswick, Saint Stephen, New Brunswick, we're right on the border of Maine. Uh, we're a straight six hour shot down to Boston and nine hours down to New York. So that's really our market for our live organic tilapia. We're going to be selling to the Asian markets down there. Uh, but the waste stream from a fish farm is living nutrient. You know, fish manure is one of the best, uh, uh, plant nutrients that you can have. And, uh, a really cool thing, whether you're farming, uh, this is more relevant when you're farming food in an aquaponic system, but, but, uh, you know, manure from cold blooded animals is not conducive to to E. coli. Right. So, Mm. so, you know, when, when you hear about those outbreaks in romaine lettuce, nine times out of 10, that's from a warm blooded animals manure. Right. So a, uh, plant, you know, a, a plant system that's fed by a fish, uh, nutrient supply is, is arguably safer, right, <laughs> safer right. for consumption. Uh, so, so anyway, so a fish farm on its own would normally, whether it's in the ocean or land base, it's just blowing that. It's just a waste stream, right? When you think about a hydroponics farm on its own or, you know, or, or, or even an outdoor monocultured farm, right? All they have is waste. You're wasting water and you're wasting fertilizer, right? So mm. when you, when you're draining your, your, uh, your oversaturated, uh, uh, water off of your hydroponics farm. You, you got you got to expel that water. You've got nowhere for that water to go. It's just going to the sewer. It's going into a pond. Uh, when you're farming outdoors, you're losing a ton of water. You know, you, you, I think it's only ten percent on average of uh, of irrigated, uh, you know, fresh water actually makes it into the plant. Right. Mm. So our system, we take the water and the manure from the fish farm. We feed that to our plants. We send the water back to the fish farm after it's filtered, and, it, and it's pretty much a closed-loop system. So, hmm. our, so our input is an organic fish feed uh, for, for the fish. So, so this is yeah. So we're fish and cannabis farmers uh, all in one. It's it's amazing. They both basically feed each other, right? On a on a, mm-hmm. uh, a continual loop. So, how does uh, automated vertical farming compare to maybe greenhouse uh, farming, which is you know very very popular with with different people? Yeah. So, so, I mean, uh, there is a, uh, energy consumption difference, of course. Right. Mm. Uh, so, so it all depends on where you're farming and where your greenhouse, where your greenhouse, uh, is right. So, so we're, we're built, we're, we're in the automated vertical farming game, uh, to, to create an equal to value proposition as the best automated and operating greenhouses, right? The Dutch built greenhouses. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the beginning, uh, we're going to be able to line up with the value proposition of automated greenhouses in particular jurisdictions. So in Northern climates, right? Uh, indoor farming, you know, like we're doing in a warehouse versus a greenhouse, um, we'll be able to meet the cost of goods sold a lot faster. You know, a great example is, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, or, or at least, at least we've heard through the industry, you know, a lot of these greenhouse growers in, in Canada and in Northern climates, whether it's, whether it's, uh, you know, vegetables or cannabis, they're obviously getting more consistent yields 
and and arguably better yields in the winter time than they are in the summertime in these greenhouses. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason is that they're using more supplemental light <laughs> in the winter time, right? right? Because they have less sun. So, so uh, you know, when you talk about consistency of crop and consistency of yield, when you remove the greenhouse from the equation and you go over to artificial light, mind you, you're using more energy. Uh, you're going to get a more consistent and and uh, consistent yield and a more reliable yield. Uh, so that that's a big difference, kind of in general, between indoor indoor farming and uh, and and automated uh, greenhouse farming. And of course, when we plug in uh, when we plug in our fish system, uh, you know we we've got a waste management. Uh, system built in, and we also have a fertilizer factory right right on site. So now there are there are aquaponics greenhouses out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some there's some wonderful aquaponically driven greenhouses, especially in the United States. Uh, there's a massive company called Superior Fresh, and uh, they are farming uh, quite a bit of salmon in a uh, in a single layer in a single layer greenhouse, and they're doing mostly mostly leafy greens, right? So. So, you know, depending on the jurisdiction you're in, depending on your climate, uh, you know, there's going to be the right agriculture technology uh, for you. So, so these indoor vertical farms are first and foremost going to begin uh, expanding throughout northern climates across the world, but also in very food insecure places. So uh, an island like Haiti. As mm-hmm. an example, mm-hmm. or an island like the Cayman, like I'll use Cayman and, and Haiti as as the two as the two opposing sure. uh, examples of where indoor automated vertical farms are going to start making a lot of sense very quickly here. Uh, well, they have major weather events, right? That right. you know, hurricanes and tornadoes that can greatly affect their food their food supply. Uh, they're landlocked anyways, and they don't produce a lot of food to begin with. So a a uh, you know hurricane proof vertical automated farm that's also supplying fish in Haiti will be food security driven, right? Uh, it'll be, it'll be economically driven. It'll provide prosperity and, and jobs for the local community. And, and, uh, you know, but it'll probably come in the form of, uh, you know, through, through NGOs or it'll be government driven at first. Um, you put these facilities uh, in a place like Cayman, you know, obviously I'm using them as, as wealth, uh, wealth, um, uh, uh, the yin and yang of, of, sure. of uh, you know, wealth, right? Uh, in the Cayman, uh, they'll probably be put there uh, for commercially driven reasons to service the local population and the cruise ships as they come in and out of the island. But they both have the same problems, right? They're mm-hmm. both food insecure uh, and, and they're both land, you know, island locked or water locked. And, uh, and, and these, these types of facilities will make a lot of sense in places like that. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned regulations earlier, and, and, you know, that's one of the things that we're slowly starting to work through as a country with this. But, you know, this is an industry where, you know, depending on what you do, you can't tell people what it is through advertising. Um, you mm-hmm. can't you can't um, uh, tell them where what you're uh, growing or kind of make it sort of things. Uh, and then there's the packaging. Um, you know, you can... Um, only do so much to try to stand out. I, I've seen some, the green organic Dutchmen uh, have a little bit of a tilt in their, their packaging. You guys are a, mm-hmm. uh, a fish farm basically, and a cannabis producer. 
can you do anything to try to stand out in, in that regard? Like, is that how you, you kind of get a, an edge is like, Hey, did you see this cannabis? Look what it comes in. Can you tie in fish with your, your kind of packaging at all? Yeah. So, so right now we are, uh, uh, pretty, pretty set on, uh, coming to market, uh, in cans. Uh, nice. so canning our cannabis with uh, nitrogen infusion. Um, and it's a, uh, it, it's quite a, it's a system where, um, it'll actually help preserve the terpenes, uh, as well. Uh, so, so that's, that's kind of our, uh, our initial differentiator that we're, that we're looking at putting on the market. Um, but then outside of cans, we're going to go, you know, into glass, right? So mm-hmm. glass jars, uh, our, our mandate is zero plastic. So, so by being dedicated to having no plastic come out of our facility now, now, uh, at first we'll probably have to have some plastic, you know, the child proofing regulations in Canada mm-hmm. pretty much make it, make it almost unavoidable, right? Cause you know, you've got a plastic gasket or, or you know, yep. even, even on our tin cans, we might have to have a plastic top. So we're going to do everything we can to try to avoid any plastic. Uh, so that'll be step one of uh, differentiating ourselves. Um, you know, organic certification uh, as well mm-hmm. will help us out quite a bit. Um, you know, but really uh, uh, outside of doing whatever we can, I guess, to, to, to look different on the shelf, our number one focus is having a product that will draw the current cannabis connoisseur into the legal dispensary to try our product out. We, we just, we need great flour. That's like mission number one. So mm-hmm. if we can just get them into that Stewart farms package and we've done our job correctly and it's a flower that the fussiest of cannabis consumer will smoke and tell their friends about, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's really our strategy. It's, it's, uh, you know, uh, draw them and try to draw them in however we can, uh, you know, get our story out there. Uh, but, but, you know, we, we just have to bring in our clientele via, via the product right inside the package. For sure. So you, I start with flour and then, uh, other plans to, uh, you know, add in, um, you know, uh, some of the, uh, um, other things that we're seeing, uh, where it's, uh, extracts or things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, uh, so our path is, is dry flour and pre-rolls. Okay. We want to make sure that we really nail that. Uh, Canagars Love it. is a huge focus. It's my personal favorite. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the main driver. For I myself. love them. I love them so and, much. Uh, they're, they're great. They're yeah. great. And we can do it. And, we're, and you know, of course we're going to do an all natural Canagar, you know, maybe a Cordelia leaf. Maybe we're going to go with a sugar leaf uh, right off the cannabis plant. I mean, nice. that's, or both, I mean, to be determined. I yeah. like them both. I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then solventless extracts. Um, so, so solventless extracts, uh, I want to get to a, uh, a really nice hash product as soon as I can. I, mm. I don't know when that's going to be. Um, but you know, I grew up on hash. I'm from the East coast of Canada. I'm from New Brunswick. Right. So, so, so there was, there was lots of times when there was no weed, but there was always hash. Uh, so that's uh, also a little bit of a personal, uh, uh, passion of mine. And then outside of the smokable category, um, uh, we have a, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you want to call it the, the polar opposite, but, but, uh, but bath bombs, mm, yeah. roller balls, bath bombs, roller balls, and massage oils and teas. 
so right now at stewardfarms.store, uh, right on our website there, uh, we uh, are selling non-infused products. So okay. we have our non-infused bath bomb soaps and teas. Uh, actually, we just launched massage bars as well, uh, but they're cannabis inspired. So what we did is we copied the terpene profile and the ratios to the best of our ability with what we could find, right, for information out there. Uh, so we have a Bubba Kush, we have a Blue Dream, huh. we have a train wreck, we have a Chocolope line, right? And we literally took the terpenes, like the top five to seven, whatever we could find, as deep as we could dive on the terpene list for each of those strains. We copied the terps and the ratios of those strains, and we're making those cannabis-inspired products that are not infused. Now, of course, this is our trial run mm-hmm. in, in, in you know, should we infuse this product, right? Um, you know, our attitude is uh, if it's not a great product without infusion, then it's not a great product. So right. this has been great for us as a company uh, because, you know, we're, we're generating some revenues off of that. Uh, we are, everything's handmade. Like this stuff is better than Lush because, you know, of course we're going with completely biodegradable packaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all the, all the essential oils are naturally sourced or, you know, every, everything is as, as clean as available on the market, you know, so organic, clean, biodegradable, you know, again, aiming for zero plastic and everything we do. Uh, so, so this is, you know, that's kind of a, a main category that we're looking at. Uh, launching into as soon as possible. Well, I love the teas. I think the uh, the teas are going to be a, a big hit. I know drinks at some point are going to be a hit, but I think teas are really going to uh, be something that uh, you know, whether it's CBD or uh, or THC infused. I think the teas are are going to be something that people are going to enjoy. Um, I wanted to. I was going to ask you why uh, New Brunswick, but you grew up there uh, in, in that area, so obviously that's why. How how nice is it to be? Um, you know, giving back to, you know, where you grew up and employing people and, you know, cannabis as an industry, uh, you know, there, there are some places that, uh, you know, the, the, the percentage of employment, uh, comes directly from these cannabis, uh, factories or whatever they might be. How nice is it to be able to employ in out East where you're from? You know, it's, uh, it's, it was a goal of mine, uh, since the day, I left New Brunswick and, and went to Alberta and, and, and not because, um, not for any lack of love for Alberta. I, I love Alberta and every, you know, everything I've, I've gained in my life economically has, has come from that province, but it was always this want or, or yearning, you know, looking back at my home province and, and, and wondering, you know, how, uh, could I contribute and, and create some sort of economic uh, engine or, 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 or provide economically uh, to, to where I'm from, you know, like, like it is in Alberta, or at least like it was <laughs> or has right, been yeah. uh, uh, for, for the last little while. It's obviously not good times uh, out there right now. Um, but uh, this is the industry, right? You know, so indoor agriculture and agriculture in general, uh, I see as, as, what could be a major boon for New Brunswick across the province? Uh, when you look at when you look at um, the economic reasons uh, beyond just wanting to come back here and, and and try to contribute, well, the economic reasons were you know cheap land and cheap buildings, right? Very affordable real estate. Mm-hmm. So my barrier to entry, uh, my hundred thousand square foot, forty foot tall building on fifty acres, 
you know, uh, was a order of magnitude of millions of dollars cheaper than probably most anywhere else in the country. So I, I was able to acquire this massive asset to get started. Electricity cost, uh, $0.06 cents a kilowatt hour at, at full scale mm-hmm. is, is what we're looking at. It's not Quebec cheap, but it is cheap. It's still right. among the cheapest electrical rates in all of North America. And proximity to the U.S. when it comes to our fish business. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a skilled labor force here that's underemployed, right? So it's a very, you know, there's quite a bit of education in this province. And, this, and, and there is a ton of blue-collar, hardworking people here as well. Uh, that that will function phenomenally in cannabis, right? Uh, and uh, so, so you know, for all those reasons, uh, you know, New Brunswick is one of the best jurisdictions in North America, as far as we're concerned, and 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 is the reason why uh, you know we're we're here uh, to do a to do an indoor vertical automated farm, and especially with the fish farm attached to it. Right. There's no lack of fish farmers <laughs> in, uh, in southern New Brunswick either. <laughs> no doubt. Tell me about the uh, documentary Need to Grow uh, and your involvement in that. Yeah. So so that uh, is one of the best things I've ever got involved with uh, uh, to date in, in, in my life or, or my career. Uh, uh, I met I met the filmmakers. Uh, of of the film called The Need to Grow about uh, six years ago uh, down in Whitefish, Montana, actually. I got invited down there to meet these these two directors and uh, they they pitched me this vision. Uh, They said, Tanner, have you seen the film by Al Gore, The Inconvenient Truth? And everybody's seen that. And I Mm -hmm. said, yeah, of course, I've I've seen that film. And they said, well, we're making a film that's the opposite of that. It's a solutions-based film about soil, about living soil and the importance of living soil to the world. But we're going to do it through the telling of the stories of entrepreneurs and activists that are actually doing something about it, right? That are actually creating solutions uh, to, to, uh, to help replenish the life uh, in the soil or, or make a big change in agriculture, and uh, that was their uh, elevator pitch to me, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I was the easiest audience that they probably <laughs> could have had. I, inst- I was instantly in. <laughs> I said, here, what do you want? And I became, you know, the main financer uh, behind the film and, 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 uh, and, and immediately cut the check and, and went, went, went on a journey with these brilliant filmmakers, Rob Herring and, and Ryan Lyrick. Um, and they proceeded, they, they followed the lives so when they first started making this film, we were following 12 subjects. Uh, you know, four years later, there was three that made the cut. So, wow. I mean, this is a film, this is a film that almost made itself. We, we, you know, they didn't know where the film was going at first. And then what happened was it became focused on a seven-year-old Girl Scout, uh, Alicia Serratos, a mad scientist actually in Whitefish, Montana. His name is Michael Spiff. He does a uh, uh, semi-closed loop technology called the Green Powerhouse. It's basically like a fertilizer manufacturing plant and then this guy named eric cutter who's an urban farmer in orange county uh california and and he and he's like a clint eastwood or like a renegade urban farmer i call him and uh, and he turns parking lots into gardens and and we follow these people's lives for three and a half years and it is epic they all hit huge disasters 
you know, Alicia is a seven year old Girl Scout fighting to get GMOs out of Girl Scout cookies. So she's like taking on oh the man. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's a phenomenal film. And, and I just, I, I, I'm so lucky that I met these guys and got to become part of it. And then, and then four years into the making of the film, Rob called me and he said, I finally, I, I've got our narrator. And, and he said, you're going to love it. He said, have you seen Daredevil? Well, I'm a big superhero, yeah. group, right? And, and and he said, well, it's the nurse. And I was like, Rosario Dawson. So, <laughs> so he landed Rosario Dawson. Uh, and she herself walks the lock. She's an environmental. She was the target. Like he didn't have a list of people he wanted to narrate right. the film. He kept sending the film to Rosario until she finally watched it. And she loved it. And she threw her voice behind it right away. Uh, so she narrates the film. And, uh, you know, it's just been one of the greatest things that I've ever been part of. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's inspiring people, the feedback since the film got released, it's on Amazon, it's on Vimeo right now, uh, as well. Uh, it's been viewed in, uh, you know, over 140 countries. We've subtitled it into seven different languages, uh, so far. Uh, uh, Alicia Silverstone watched it uh, hmm. about a month ago and she did a Facebook post about it, you know, so it's kind of like living on, on the internet right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's continuing to gain traction since we, since we did the wide release, uh, we've won, you know, a dozen film festivals over the first two years that we, uh, that we, that we put it out. And, and it's, it's just a film about hope, right? Like I, I, I say that if you're an entrepreneur or if you're a farmer or in the cannabis industry, you have to watch this film because first off, it gives a great 101 on living soil and how important it is to the world. You know, you want to talk about uh, carbon capture? Well, build soil, build, put life back in soil. That will capture carbon. <laughs> You're afraid of drought? Mm -hmm. Put life back in the soil because <laughs> living soil is drought resistant, right? I mean, this is this is one of the best things we can do uh, for our environment, for our world, is to put life back in back into the soil and this film will show you that and it gives solutions it, it doesn't it doesn't beat people over the head you know like like i'm an environmentalist and and you know but i'm tired you know i'm sure i'm exhausted as everyone else hearing about the problems mm -hmm. right we all know what the problems are so so this is a film that kind of answers answers that Awesome stuff. Uh, Tanner, thank you so much for giving me some uh, time today. I'm excited about uh, what you guys have going on at Stewart Farms. I'm excited to see them on store shelves uh, at some point and uh, give it a try. And uh, man, the, the more we can learn, uh, like we both said, uh, the better off we'll be. And uh, if, if you introduce me to somebody that says they know everything about cannabis, I'll know they're a liar. <laughs> yeah exactly introduce me to that person yeah. <laughs> if you find them <laughs> yeah exactly thanks so much for joining me today tanner best of luck uh, thanks so much have a great day what's that strain let's find out with chris ionson nova cannabis store manager and educator My good friend Chris Ionson of the Jasper Ave location Nova Cannabis is with me as always. Thanks for coming in, Chris. Thanks for having me, Dean. This is the uh, uh, this is the uh, audio video podcast that turned into audio only. <laughs> um, this is like uh, hopefully not becoming a theme. A couple of weeks ago, I lit the mic on fire, <laughs> and then we were actually just recording this, and I 
dumped a glass of water on the table and um, may have shorted some stuff out. So there's no video for this one anymore. <laughs> I'm I'm becoming a bit of a disaster artist. <laughs> yeah, at least we got the audio though. At least we'll be able to tell you um, about this wonderful strain that we are doing today, Lestrata, which is a sativa dominant hybrid. And uh, I love stories. I love um reasons why things are named why they are or the story behind it we did franco's lemon cheese which is just an, an incredible backstory mm -hmm. and Lestrada is from edison and edison names all of their strains after movies which we're going to get to and i love that but let's talk about uh, edison a little bit before we dive into Lestrada. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Edison is actually a recreational brand under uh, the Organogram umbrella. And so we'll talk about Organogram first mm -hmm. here. Uh, so they were founded in 2013. Um, they were first began as a medical uh, provider. Uh, and today they are uh, more focused on high quality indoor grown cannabis uh, for patients and for adult recreational consumers in Canada, um, as well as uh, they're developing their international business partnerships to extend the company's global footprint. So um, globally, they're kind of getting their, their toes, kind of mm -hmm. their paws in, in a, a bunch of different uh, facets globally here. Um, good on them. Uh, and underneath the organogram, they've got uh, four, four brands, uh, recreational brands, uh, Edison. Um, we've got an Edison Reserve. Mm -hmm. Those are both... Uh, is your standard rec lines um trailblazer is also in that mix too and that's uh they do a lot of the pre-rolls that right. uh we we've we've seen in stores for you know the last year and a half they've always been there so uh very reliable for the trailblazers uh as well as anchor organics uh, which we'll be seeing uh, later in 2020. they uh edison um in particular uh and and uh i find really uh, hammers out the pre-rolls i mean you can find them which is one of the best things about the first year and a half of legalization is consistency doesn't matter how good your product is if you can't get it out there yeah they never seem to have that problem and it's a good product I, you know edison rio bravo is the first legal strain i bought yeah. uh and it's so it's special to me but once I bought it, I was like, oh, there's this one in Casablanca and you see them all over the place. And, you know, for a consumer, that's great. For a store manager, that is like your ace in the hole almost. Yeah, it's big for, for a store manager. Uh, I remember the days where we had a shortage on, on cannabis and uh, there was a few weeks where uh, all I got was uh, Trailblazer Prohibition, mm -hmm. the, the three and a half gram uh, pre-milled package or, or, or the pre-rolls and that was all we had. Um, so good on them for always being there for us. Uh, it, it is appreciated at the store level for sure. Um, and they're popular too. You know, pre-rolls, those, especially those half grammars are really good for a lot of people that maybe don't want to or can't and maybe shouldn't smoke a, an entire one gram joint. Uh, those half gram uh, Edison pre-rolls out there, they can be really popular for a lot of people. I know a lot of friends love the half grams. Yeah, I see it on a on a daily basis here. People coming in, uh, you know, looking for them. Um, I've noticed the flicker sticks has, has mm. really taken off. I just sold out of them at my store. I, <laughs> I, I didn't think that I could because I had so many, but uh, those ones are really taken off too. Uh, I think too, the price point on the Trailblazer sure. pre-rolls too is, is really, uh, you know, appealing. It's uh, it's not too much for you know, mm -hmm. a nice half gram joint. Uh, now, Organogram, they have one of the lowest cultivation costs per gram in Canada. Tell us why that, why they have that. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, it really is. Yeah. So it's, it's primarily, uh, due to their, like their high yields from their plants. Uh, but 
they're getting high yields from their plants due to their operational efficiencies, uh, which is driven by a relentless culture of continuous improvement. Uh, but it's also due to the, the use of a unique and proprietary software system mm-hmm. uh, called Organigrow. And uh, Organigrow is pretty cool. It's, um, it is like uh, a bunch of data that gets collected. So every element of production is tracked on a proprietary in-house software system. Um, and with the inputs, they have um, they check the soil, nutrients, water, environmental conditions, uh, like wind, light, humidity, temperature. And they pair that against the yield and the lab results of, of what uh, those plants were actually growing and producing. Uh, and then they go back and they compare, they analyze the data, uh, and then they figure out the most effective and uh, optimal environments for the plants to grow in. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, it really allows them to tailor uh, microclimates for, you know, best suited for specific genetics. So specific strains get certain temperatures yeah. and, you know, whatever, uh, uh, you know, watering process and soil and, yeah. and all that. Uh, they can really zero in on, you know, what makes Rio Bravo tick and boom. You hit yeah. it with that, where maybe Lestrade is a little bit different, for for example. Yeah, and, and and it is. That's that's exactly how it is. So, uh, it's just so cool that they're you know and and they're they're tracking all the batches too, so they can they can see oh you know batch X had uh, you know really uh, high terpene uh, concentration mm-hmm. and, and a great THC level for what they want for that strain. They'll make note of that and they'll try and go back to that in in the future grows uh, too. Fun experimenting uh, with with different strains and and that's what it is because. You know, not only does every person um, um, react differently to cannabis, but strains are also different as far as growing conditions. So yeah. uh, that's beautiful. Now, this all takes place in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick. I was there for a, a, a national hockey championship one time, uh, but Moncton um, is uh, becoming cannabis central for a few places, out east, uh, particularly in the Maritimes. Uh, so what do we know about uh, their facility in Moncton? Yeah, so uh, they've got the uh, Organogram Moncton campus uh, out there, and it's uh, it's located on a 14-acre campus in Moncton. Uh, they've got about 800 staff working there, um, and actually Organogram employs uh, 1% of Moncton's population. Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, and uh, the facility has a current licensed target production capacity of 89,000 kilograms per year, so... Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're not up to that yet, but uh, that's, that's their goal. That's their goal. And we talk about pre-rolls and them being around a lot. Oh, there's boy. a reason why. Yeah, yeah. So they have uh, the Wolf pre-roll machine, uh, and it does uh, 25,000 pre-rolls a day. Uh, there's a really cool video on their website. It shows it in action. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I, I, I feel like all the other LP should kind of maybe reach out to the whoever made the wolf and you know see if they can get their own like because uh, yeah definitely uh with the stock and supply their pre-rolls are always available they're always consistent uh so the wolf machine is uh, is a winner that is uh it's so cool and you know what um you know we wonder how can they uh how can they get uh, so many pre-rolls always everywhere well there's a reason when you see uh the wolf in action i mean uh it's you know i would love to be on the floor of uh of the facility and they're like uh we need a bunch of pre-rolls and then you go into instant pulp fiction 
you call him the wolf? And then Harvey <laughs> Keitel shows up and the wolf machine kicks in. Like, I, I, it'd be awesome if they had like that sound effect whenever they pumped up the uh, the wolf machine because that's what I think I mean. 25,000 pre-rolls per yeah. day. I mean, that's it's nuts. it's. I, I, was, I was looking at this on their website, which we'll get into in a second, but... It's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory for adults. You see the the wolf spitting out all these pre rolls on like a uh, whatever a that uh, a conveyor belt. It's just man, it, it I would I would be like Veruca Salt or something like that because I would be so excited. So I, I think that's one of the coolest things uh, aside from naming it after the movies is the wolf spitting out twenty five thousand pre rolls. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's cool to see it's to an action on the on the website. It too, is like you said. Uh, uh, there's a lot of real good videos on their website. They have this really kind of comprehensive tour of the facility where you kind of like start to finish and mm -hmm. just kind of takes you through everything. Uh, really neat to see the that facility too, uh, state of the art. Mm -hmm. Like they they cut no corners there. Everything looks very clean and very like uh, right. pharmaceutical grade uh, kind of cleanliness there. So uh, really neat to see. Awesome. And, you know, that's part of, uh, you know, the cannabis industry. Uh, that is employing a lot of people. 1% of uh, the, yeah. the, the Moncton population is impressive. Now, a uh, little bit tougher to figure out the history uh, with La Strada. Yeah, it is. Uh, because uh, La Strada is, is actually Acadia, uh, which is a proprietary strain to, to Edison. So um, the guys over at Edison kind of created this this strain uh, by crossbreeding uh I'm sure crossbreeding is something that we're familiar with, right. but maybe kind of tweaking it, making it their own. Uh, so the, the lineage is not public knowledge. Um, now, Acadia is, um, when, you, when you pick up a Rio Bravo, you see Wabanaki. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's, it's they, they created this strain, they called it Acadia, and then they've named the, the, all the everything after movies. Yeah. So uh, Acadia is La Strada, and like you said, it's proprietary, so there's not a whole lot of public knowledge. You know, people do a lot of guessing about yeah. what this is, but we yeah. don't know for sure. Yeah, totally. I, I, I tracked down some, like, Reddit threads, uh, you know, where people were saying that it's, uh, one guy mentioned that he thought it was Blue Dream, uh, and people questioned him on that, and he said the, the uh, Cannabis NB staff um, in New Brunswick, uh, yeah. their, their retail spots, uh, had mentioned it. Uh, a few of them had mentioned it and, uh, it said it was a rebranded blue dream or a cross blue dream. Um, like a phenotype maybe of blue yeah. dream or something. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to go with like the, you know, the terpenes that, that are in the strata, I mean, it's, it's similar. So, I mean, we, this, this person could be onto something, but, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately that's Edison's, uh, that's their, their information, uh, uh, but it's it's definitely a great sativa. It is for sure. Uh, the website, uh, by the way, and, and you know, you feel free to reach out to them and ask them. Maybe maybe on the off chance they'll tell you, but edisoncannabis.co, uh, as you mentioned, really interactive website, uh, videos, information. It's, it's, a, it's a well put together website. You can uh, get all the stuff and the strain information on there, you know, about, about their strains and, and how they do it is, is really cool to find out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very easy to navigate to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely appreciate it. Uh, THC is 17.7. Uh, yeah. How would you classify this? Uh, that's kind of like a, a mid to mid to high uh, level there, but it's kind of on the high end of the mid mid THC range, um, definitely kind of an intermediate strain, I think, with okay. it being a sativa. 
Um, so level two, you'd say? Level two sounds good to Not me. Not for yeah. beginners. Yeah, okay. I don't think that you're going to want to start off with Lestrada. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, um, okay, when we when we talk about what's in a name, this is, this is going to be my favorite part about uh, this particular strain. Um, give us the background about Edison strains in general. Yeah, so all, all Edison strains are, are named after classic movies, um, and that's due to uh, Thomas Edison's contribution to the motion picture camera back in the day. Helping so, to invent the actual camera that we yeah, watch movies on. Yeah, totally. So I, I thought that was cool. I mean, you and I kind of figured out that it was movies, but we didn't quite yeah. uh, know the why. We just found that out here. Well, Sh Thomas Edison had his uh, hands in so many different things, and to, to name your brand after that yeah. is is so impressive and you know i i like i said i i'm a i'm a big western fan so i loved rio bravo and el dorado so that was easy casablanca's you know it's classic and uh some some very uh, famous actors in it um la strada i haven't seen yet but i'm going to later tonight like i am <laughs> literally going to pull off the rio bravo i'm going to have some la strada while watching la strada and it's interesting um like they have some uh, like Lola Montez, I think it's like a silent film, right? So it's not just like... Uh, uh, it's not one genre. That's right. Yeah. And it's not like one era either, right? Like you've got some silent movies and you've got some Westerns. Yeah. La Strada uh, is, is, uh, is named after a uh, Federico Fellini Italian drama. It it came out in, I think, 54, I thought we, th we read, yeah. but... It's weird. In 1957, it won the inaugural Oscar for Best Foreign Film. So the first award that they gave out for that, and, and this year, a foreign film won Best Picture at yeah. the Oscars in Parasite, Parasite right? Yeah. So mm. interesting there. Uh, this was a controversial film, and I can't wait to see it. It caused a brawl at the Venice <laughs> Film Festival when it debuted. Like the people that were so opposed and so loved it got into a brawl. The director suffered a nervous breakdown during filming. There were production delays. But if you look at a lot of top 10 lists around the world, it is on them. It is, uh, you know, fourth, third, some, you know, they, they consider it uh, beautiful. And in 1994, there was a remastered version financed by Martin Scorsese. Hmm. who says the film La Strada helped inspire him with Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. So this wow. this film has some legs in, in film history, and, and I love that Edison is honoring it. Yeah, yeah. the uh, The plot of the, the movie is oh, a little... Yeah, it's bizarre, right? A little bizarre. Uh, it's about a mother that uh, sold her daughter to a strong man. Yeah. Who was Anthony Quinn. With, yeah, that's cool, a young Anthony yeah, Quinn. Very much so. Uh, and then he takes her uh, uh, to perform. In, in yeah, the, kind of like, like the traveling circus, show you know? kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me know how it is. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, if it inspired Scorsese to do Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, it's yeah, definitely uh, worth a worth a watch. Okay, uh, when we look at this, uh, it has uh, comes in a plastic tub, uh, which is recyclable. Uh, but the best feature is that um, the 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 cannabis is really preserved well because of the packaging. Yeah, it is. Uh, so they they've vac sealed the tub. So when you pop the lid off, there's still a, you got to peel off a, a vac seal, uh, as well as inside of all their one grams, three and a half, seven grams, fifteen gram packages, uh, they are doing a Edison branded hydro pack. Their own. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So it's got the logo on it. Uh, They'll uh, get more business from me just knowing that. Yeah, right. It's all their bud is popping fresh that way. I mean, uh, spongy. This stuff. It is spongy. You can squeeze it, yeah. and it, you know. You, the weed you don't want is the weed you don't need a grinder for that just busts up in your hand. This is definitely not it. This yeah, is spongy. You need a grinder for this. Yeah, <laughs> you need a grinder. And 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 
this you you know when this was uh, this pack this one that I picked up you can tell when this was packaged. Yeah, that's right. It says on the package there it was packaged in uh, November sixteenth of, of last year. So right. <laughs> a couple a couple of yeah. months uh, sitting on the shelf there. So uh, I'd say that's pretty fresh. Um, yeah, it like it like we said very squishy, very yeah. like the the smell too. I mean, it's very terpy too. It's very fr- it smells, smells very fresh for sure. Yeah, um, uh, light green a lighter green anyway when you look at it and you, you'd see how beautiful it was if i wouldn't have dumped water everywhere but <laughs> the pistols just jump out at you yeah, i find bright orange pistols uh light green but it's a real vivid mm-hmm. color on the bud here uh and they're dense snugs too mm-hmm. um some good some good weight to them uh as well as the trichome coverage i like on it it's yep. you know got a pretty good base it's not covered in crystals but but it's noticeable yeah it is noticeable yeah so kudos on the looks for sure uh yeah the the orange and the green really really pop when you when you take a look at this so uh kudos to that uh terpene profile uh what what are we looking at for the main ones yeah so uh top three uh caryophylline uh which is the black pepper spicy kind of flavor uh myrcene which is that earthy um can can be mangoes too myrcene's kind of interesting one uh, and uh, humulene is uh, is the third in the top three, and that's kind of a hoppy uh, flavor. Uh, we should note, though, pinene and, and limonene are, are mentioned uh, in Lestrada, uh, too, so they kind of have, like, the five top ones. Um, but with that, I mean, those are all pretty good, uh, like, popular terpenes that are around. Uh, mm-hmm. does make for kind of a unique uh, flavor, and it's it's pretty smooth, too, when you hit it. Well, and for, for, for people like me, I know that... Uh, uh, you guys are uh, strictly on the the rack market, but uh, there are some really good terpenes for people out there to do some research in. Uh, you know, for me, um, I'm a person who who uh, has some mental health and and anxiety, and you know, I look at mercy. That's a, that's a really good terpene uh, for people like myself uh, who deal with anxiety issues. Uh, Caryophylline uh, binds with the CB2 receptors. So uh, there's some good terpene research to be done out there for people that are looking for uh, cannabis, certain strains and things like that to help them with some of their ailments. Again, you guys are wreck. So Mm-hmm. Do not go into a store and, and ask them because unfortunately they can't uh, tell yeah. you, but there's a lot of research out there. So, um, you know, terpenes are, are not just, um, well, they do have a big impact on the, the smell Flavor and, and smell, things, yeah. but there, there's so much more to terpenes that we're learning about. Yeah, definitely. And there's, there's a lot of like testing going mm-hmm. on right now too. A lot of clinical stuff, uh, where they're trying to, you know, figure that out. Uh, I think it is important to note that, uh, everyone is different. Everyone does react differently. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a terpene that might have effects for you might, sure. it might affect me differently too. Yeah. Like uh, mercine for some people is known as a big couch lock effect, but for other people, it, it actually gives a little bit totally. of an energy boost, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's all kind of depends on your biology. Um, so everyone is different. Everyone's unique. Um, but I mean, there's kind of generalizations that yeah. we can kind of roll with that, you know, work for commu- conveying the information. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and everybody can form their own opinion on that. All right. Uh, what did you get uh, for desired effect when you, uh, gave Lestrada a try? Yeah. Uh, definitely an uplifting strain, uh, puts me in a, in a good mood. It's a mood enhancer. Um, it's also a pretty good like chill buzz, uh, which I, I like. Uh, like it's not. I I, I find this some uplifting sativas that are like, you know, buzzy. Uh, I, I find sometimes I get a little anxious from it. Okay. Uh, I don't get that too much from Lestrada. I find it's pretty chill. Um, a relaxed awareness that you have, right? Like you, I you, like you that. know that's everything good, that's yeah. going on, but you're in a, like a chill mood, a yeah. relaxed mood. 
Yeah, and I still feel, you know, I've got the THC course in through yeah. my blood, and I still feel good, but it's, you know, it's in control. So wake and bake would be good. Yeah. This strain would be a good wake and bake strain. For sure, for sure it is. And I've I've wake and baked with yeah. Lestrade on, on a day off there, and uh, it is nice, definitely. Social strain. Yeah, um, good, you know, with, the, good like, with the pals. Uh, 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 probably not, as we mentioned, for the new user, but a good stepping stone strain, somebody that has experienced uh, cannabis uh, with, uh, you know, smaller uh, THC levels and are ready to experience something new. This is a, this is because it's not going to give you that heady anxiety. Yeah. Uh, it's a really relaxed strain to take that next step with. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's uh, well said. All right. Without uh, lighting the uh, mic on fire, I'm going to, mm -hmm. uh, give this uh, a little taste and uh, tell, tell me what you experience and, and what a lot of people get from this. Yeah, for sure. So uh, definitely sweet and fruity. Um, earthy too is kind of like th those three. Um, and then there's hints of spice uh, that I found. So a little spice on the, on the exhale, um, which is typically I, I find that with uh, strains higher in caryophyll. Yeah. You don't get that um, an initial spice, a uh, spice, rush at the beginning i i found this is uh, definitely earthy a little tangy fruity yeah uh and then on the exhale you get hints of hints of spice as it goes but um definitely earthy is the thing that jumps out at you right yeah, away big time for sure uh but it's nice and nice and smooth mm -hmm. too uh i felt like it, it goes down smooth it was uh nice on my throat too there was no no kind of tickle uh, i've had some strains where uh, maybe poor quality stuff where I'll, you know, sure. it and it's, it gives me that tickle of that scratch. Um, didn't get this with Lestrada and haven't, and I've been smoking Lestrada for a year and a half. <laughs> it's been in my, in my repertoire. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a good one worth, worth checking out. Yeah, for sure. Definitely worth putting in your rotation, um, especially with price point, uh, yeah. works out pretty good. Um, okay. So you can get Lestrada, uh, as we done it in a one, three and a half, seven, seven, uh, but yeah. also, uh, soon it'll be available in the, uh, the vape pack. section. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, PAX era, which is like a closed loop system, uh, uh, Lestrada will be in a pod there. So I'm, I'm excited about that. As soon as the eras come out on market, I'm going to be getting one. Uh, as well as um, they're going to put Lestrada into the uh, disposable pens that uh, okay. Edison's doing. Uh, but they kind of got a really cool pen that uh, it's, it's unique to just Edison. It's the uh, the Feather. Uh, and it's a, a brand of uh, vape pens that have been around uh, in the States. Sure. Uh, really high quality, really slick looking. They got a nice little window and stuff where you can kind of see what you're working with. Uh, I, I, I'd rather see. I'd rather know if my tank's, you know, half empty or half full. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm with you on that one. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so that'll be the Feather Vape Pens and the PAX Era Pods uh, yeah. coming soon. You'll be able to get Lestrada in that. And that's good because a lot of people, you know, they have a favorite strain and uh, maybe they don't want to get a vape pen or spend the money on the cartridge unless it's their favorite strain. Maybe they don't want to experiment on a, you mm -hmm. know, $60 uh, cartridge. So so that'll be good for people with their favorite strain. So you can get that. And lastly, uh, I want to just touch on something that uh, I, I'm glad that has uh, hit stores, and that's Keef. Uh, so yeah. maybe can you explain to our listeners, first of all, what Keef is, and then we can get into uh, you know what people might be using it for? Yeah, for sure. So Keef is like uh, the crystals from your, from your cannabis. So um, a lot of people have like a, a four-piece grinder uh, where, you know, you'll have, uh, at the bottom of your grinder, there'll be a, a little catch with this, with a screen and, 
that and there's the key. So it's the crystals. It's kind of like that's the the THC. That's the fun stuff. That's what's mm-hmm. you know gonna in, intoxicate you, uh, make you feel baked, uh, get you ripped. And so yeah, we we got uh, just so far just one one company's doing Keef. Uh, it's Canna Farms, mm-hmm. and they're uh, they're calling it their BC Keef. Mm-hmm. Um, the strains that they're saying that they they used for it was Pink Kush and uh, Girl Scout cookies. Right. So two pretty awesome strains. Uh, the stuff that we got in came in at like it's like thirty three point three percent THC. Yeah. So like with that, I mean what 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 is good for um, sprinkling it on on a bowl. So I'll I'll pack a bowl with some some cannabis, uh, and the top layer I'll just sprinkle my keef on top of it. It just gives your bowl a little bit more kick, a little yeah. bit more oomph. I I, I I you put it in a joint as well. Yeah. Um, it's you know what I I did this weekend visiting friends, is I rolled a joint and halfway put some uh, keef in in the in the middle. And then roll a little bit more, and then put a little bit in the in the top. Not a lot, because you don't need a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it, I find it just gives a little boost. Yeah. It's just like you know, my friends definitely uh, they they enjoyed it because it's it's you know, it does give a boost. I you know I, I I've used it before in bowls, and then just my creativity was opened up. Uh, it was just it's really amazing. And and this is it is important that you can collect this yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's important that you can buy it as well. I mean, I don't collect it as fast or I go through it too fast. One of the two. Um, so you, you're selling them in one grams, one gram of Keef should go a long ways. Yeah, totally. You just need a little bit. Right. Yeah. You're not going to smoke that. all. Like you're not rolling same. a whole joint with Keef. No. Oh my God. <laughs> but, no, but you don't need, and, and it's like, you know, 25 bucks or something like that. That's yeah, around there. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's reasonably priced. So it's reasonably priced. You can check it out. If you want to get a little bit of a boost, I find a little bit of a kick, a little bit of something extra, um, you know, like if you, if you have pink cush and then you put a little list in there, well, yeah. how good is that? Right. Yeah, totally. That would be yeah, pink cush Keef on pink cush. Yeah. I, uh, at home I have, um, I've got a bunch of grinders, but, uh, I have this, uh, coffee grinder um, that I use for, I guess, big jobs where, sure. you know, I'm maybe edibles and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, that thing collects Keef like crazy it's it's nuts so uh, that's I, I recently i had 30 grams of keef that's amazing yeah in a glass jar that was just over my it was probably a year of me smoking probably uh but i ended up turning it into edibles i yeah. made it into a tincture and we made some gummies out of it and uh, it was Would've awesome been great yeah good really good effects from that keef yeah uh, the keef edibles so yeah just one more thing that is available if you're heading into uh, a retail store in your area uh we'll try to uh keep hitting on some of these things um you know you've got uh, tea bags and some other things that are uh, coming on the market or that are on the market and and you know maybe we'll uh, every episode we'll just uh, hit on something else that's out there for somebody other than just flour and capsules and i like that and oil yeah, because man the 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 world of recreational cannabis is really starting to open up it is i feel like every every week there's something new yeah. uh, to order to get in uh, so yeah yeah it's uh it's going to be awesome. So I, I dig that idea, man. Let's do it. All right. Uh, so whatever strain we do next week, we'll also dive into something else that is available. This week, we did Lestrada from Edison. Uh, you can check out Edis- edisoncannabis.co. Great website. This is a sativa-dominant hybrid and uh, named after a uh, Academy Award-winning movie. Yeah. So that I'm going to watch later on tonight. I can't <laughs> wait to enjoy this. Chris, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean.
Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. And that's going to just about uh, wrap things up. Big thanks to uh, Tanner Stewart. I'm really excited about what Stewart Farms has going out east. I look forward to uh, things arriving on store shelves, uh, particularly in Alberta. And, of course, Chris Ionson from uh, Nova Cannabis on Jasper Avenue, our educator on what's that strain, Lestrada from Edison Cannabis. Don't forget to chime in on our cannabis question. What is your go-to strain for putting you in a good mood? You'll get a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack, including a gift card from a retail outlet. If you chime in and you are chosen as the winner. So thank you very much to Tanner and to Chris for joining me and to you, the listener for downloading and listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a review. It's really important and really helps us out. Uh, to further improve this program. And if you'd like to be involved in the show, uh, maybe you think you'd make a good guest, you have a story to tell, or if you'd like to be uh, an advertiser, a partner, and join the show in that regard, you can email me at cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. That's cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Thanks very much for listening. Have a great week, and remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Mm -hmm.